0: People's more fun. In Second Timothy, excuse me, Second Peter, chapter one. We're going to read ten verses here, and then we're going to continue on in some things we talked about last week. Second Peter, chapter one, verse one. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. In other words, to us believers with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power, God's divine power has given unto us, not going to, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory glory and moral excellence, virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, give all diligence Add to your faith. Everybody say, add to your faith. faith. Is there anything else we should be studying other than faith? Mm -hmm. Add to your faith something. Actually, your faith won't even work real well if you don't add these things to your faith. Add to your faith what? Virtue. Virtue. One translation says moral excellence. So is it important to live a moral life? Let me say living a moral life will actually help your faith. You know when you should be living the way you should be living, and when you don't, it hurts your faith. We can't have confidence toward God when we know we're disobeying Him at the same time. Now, you can be forgiven. You can go on. The Lord will forgive you. Bounce right back. Be the greatest man or woman of faith in your neighborhood. Great. But you can't be living in sin and have strong confidence that all these blessings are going to show up in my life at the same time. Let me quote you the scripture. First John says, If our hearts don't condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive of Him. If our hearts don't condemn us. Why would your heart condemn you as a Christian? Two reasons. Number one, either you know you're living a way you shouldn't be living and you haven't repented, or number two, you've repented and don't understand the power of the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus. But a condemned heart feeling guilty on the inside is how reason why a lot of people can't receive from the Lord. It has nothing to do with God not wanting them to have, or God not giving. It has to do with the people not receiving. And if your heart condemns you. If your heart condemns you, you can't have confidence toward the Lord. So read on here. Besides this, giving all diligence, verse 5, add to your faith virtue. And add to virtue knowledge. So in other words, we need to be growing and knowing. We don't just come to a level of knowing and that's it, and now we take a break. and No, we got to keep growing and knowing. Add to your knowledge temperance. Anybody have a translation that says self-control? A lot of you do. Temperance can also be translated self-control. Is self-control necessary in a successful Christian life? Yes, it is. All these ingredients are necessary. Add to your knowledge temperance. Add to self-control patience or endurance. Add to patience godliness. Add to godliness brotherly kindness. Add to brotherly kindness. Charity or agape love. Now notice, for if these things be in you and they're growing in you, they abound, you know, they're in the front seat, these things make you that you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many people know a lot. They've heard more teachings than anybody. Heard the best preachers in the land. But if that's all you have the scripture here says you can be barren with all that knowledge knowing can't take the place of all these other things knowing more can't take the place of brotherly kindness self-control moral excellence i know what i'll do i'll just hear more word i'll just hear better preachers i'll actually listen to, to, to three sermons every day that's great. You need to. But do you want to be fruitful in that knowledge? Do you want to see that knowledge producing good things in your life? Then you're going to have to have these ingredients in there too. Notice he said, You won't be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if, these things, but if he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure... For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Fall, fail. Bo- translated both ways. How many of you want to never fall? Never fail. Is it possible or is this just a, something to excite us and it's not really true? It's possible to live a life where you never fall. But you've got to give diligence to some things. Keep that list before you. Make sure that we're not just hearing it but doing it. Now turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. There's a reason we're sharing this. You know, we're really big on the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God in Faith Heights Church. Speaking in tongues, workings of miracles, gifts of healings, discerning of spirits, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. We're really, really big on the power of God in our church and the gifts of the Spirit. But the Lord's been revealing to me more and more, even more recently, that we're not going to see a lot of increase of power unless we can handle it. You know what I mean? A lot of interesting things try to start happening to you when the power of God's turned up in your life. And you have to have some maturity and you have to have some character and you have to be able to prove to the Lord, Lord, I'm not just going to freak out and start a worldwide ministry because you're pouring your power through me. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm not just going to go on every TV channel just because this great healing ministry is working through me. I'm only going to get on the channels you tell me to get on. Lord, I'm not going to be thinking about all the money that's coming in my life and my ministry because this amazing gift is flowing through me. I'm going to do what you want me to do. You know, if the Lord turned up the power of God in some people's lives, they wouldn't be alive much longer. Because you have to have... You have to have stability. You have to have character. You have to be proven. You can't just put a rifle in a four-year-old's hand. A rifle's a great thing. It's a wonderful invention. It does a lot of good. It can be fun. It can be profitable. But at the same time, it can be deadly in the wrong hands. And God wants to turn up His power in our church mightily. I can see His hand on the knob right now. He wants to crank it up. He wants miracles, healings, infallible proofs, notable miracles, special miracles. He wants those happening in our church. And some people have not yet got the lifestyle. I'm growing too. I'm not saying I'm from a point where, hey, look at all you down there. I'm right in the same boat. God wants to turn up the power in our life, and he's got to see a people that is growing in this one fruit called self-control. I think self-control or temperance is a hidden key to success in every area of our life. And I'll read a few things here that I believe the Lord gave me in just a minute. Let's read verse 22 and 23, Tina, out of Galatians 5. Paul just got done talking about the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, witchcraft, lasciviousness, all this stuff. But then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit... What, what is fruit? Somebody tell me, What's fruit? Fruit is something in our lives that's supposed to be getting bigger and bigger. Growing, right? Whoever wanted a fruit tree that didn't grow. Love's supposed to be growing in our lives. Joy is supposed to be growing in our lives. Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Isn't it interesting that there's nine gifts of the Spirit are manifestations of the Spirit, and there's nine fruits of the Spirit. Nine gifts of the Spirit deal with the power of God. The nine fruits of the Spirit deal with the character of God in our lives, hopefully growing and growing every year, every month. So we can't really expect to see tons of power if we're not interested in the character of God. But if we're just interested in the character of God and believe the powers for 2,000 years ago, we're still not going to go very far. Here you got a good person who doesn't believe in the power, and then you got somebody that totally believes in the power, but they're constantly doing things that's clogging the pipe. God's not able to turn up the power. We need them both. We need to study the, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit if we want to see the gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. Let me just, let me just share this with you. You don't have to... Ch- go to the scripture, but in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth, and the chapters are there because of uh, the translator. They're not inspired. It was a letter. It's for study purposes that translated, added chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. But Paul gets over into the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and he says these words, Now, church, now, after I've talked to you for 11 chapters about walking in love, and about not being envious, and a carnal Christian, and about fornication, and staying away from sex outside of marriage. And I've t- He talked he to them for 11 chapters about character stuff. And in chapter 12, he goes, now! That's a very important word. Now! Now, what do you mean, Paul, now? After the first 11 chapters. You know he had to straighten some things out. They were envious, they were jealous, they were in strife. There's people living with people they shouldn't have been living with. There's all kinds of things happening that weren't right. Paul had to address all that and said, Now, now that you hear what I'm saying about character, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you ignorant of this either. And then he starts talking about the power of God and the the glory of God and the, the miracles of God and the healings of God. But it took him 11 chapters to be able to get to the point where he could say, Now I want to talk to you about the power of God. I know before you can talk about the power of God, sometimes you've got to talk about the character of God in your life. I knew you'd love this message tonight. <laughs> I just knew it. So keep, let's, let's read this one more time. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So the, these fruits, let me tell you what these fruits are. These fruits are supposed to be showing up in our lives because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit isn't the one who bears the fruit of love in the earth realm. We're the branches. He's the vine. Fruit shows up on the branch. See, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, or the fruit of the born-again, recreated human spirit, because of the Holy Spirit inside, is supposed to be showing up in our lives. Love's supposed to be getting bigger and bigger. In other words, what ticked you off last year shouldn't tick you off this year. What made you gripe and complain last year, you should be a little bit above that this year. Right? What got you angry last year shouldn't be getting you angry this year. (laughs) There should be some development. And let me give you a key to developing in love. You ready? Be more willing to suffer. Hold your tongue when you feel that cursing. Don't slap when you feel like slapping. <laughs> All right, stay calm when you feel like getting angry. What are you doing? You're now developing in love, because if you keep if you keep coming up to this line, and man, that's when you fall apart. If you never go past that line, you're not developing. You know, you ever hear the expression? Oh, um, uh, well, how does it go? Your only is mature is what annoys you. You're only as big as what makes you... You're only as big as what ticks you off. That's where your maturity level caps out. (laughs) This is a great message tonight. Um, In Proverbs 16, and we're going to look at this scripture out of the Good News translation, Proverbs 16, turn there in your Bible if you got your Bible. The Holy Spirit is going to help us with this fruit of temperance the holy spirit is going to help us know what it is he's going to help us to grow in it he's help us going to see the benefits of it the downfalls of not going this way the holy spirit this is a fruit of the spirit temperance we all got that self control is a fruit of the spirit and the holy spirit is going to produce more and more of this in our lives as we yield to him go his direction believe the scriptures and it's interesting to think that the Holy Spirit would lead you to do something totally out of the flow. Because <laughs> a lot of people say, well, I'm just flowing with the Spirit. And really, they're just flowing with what they want. A feeling. He, if, if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, there's many times He's going to direct us to go against what we want, to go against what we feel, and to totally go against the course of this world. Because self-control has to do with controlling yourself when all those other poles are pulling on you. Self, feelings, the world, all that stuff that the enemy works through to pull you away from the perfect will of God. And so don't think that being led by the Holy Spirit is always, Hoo. Hoo. Being led by the Spirit has a lot to do with you doing things you don't feel like doing. I'm going to say that again. Being led by the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with not doing a lot of stuff you feel like doing. And it has a lot to do with doing a lot of stuff you don't feel like doing. Because the flesh is bent on gimme, 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 gimme. You can train it to a degree, but you'll always have to contend with the flesh until this mortal puts on immortality. One of the coolest things about our new body when the Lord says this mortal shall put on immortality at the last trump, one of the coolest things about our new body is we'll have no more evil tendencies and there'll be no more aging process and we'll all look like we're about 33 years old forever and even new and improved from how you looked when you were 33 if you've been there already say, well, Pastor, I don't like this spot on my face. It won't be there. But your flesh is your flesh. Did you know your body is a very, very precious thing? Did you know that? This is the body you will be living in forever. It's just going to have some new and improved changes. It's going to go from mortal to immortality. But it's not a different body. It'll be your body. And you will totally like it when it's glorified. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body, it says in 1 Corinthians 15. And when this mortal puts on immortality, you know, when the Lord comes, you know, when he comes back and the dead in Christ will rise first with their immortal body, Jesus has an immortal body right now. And he said to his disciples, come here, touch me, see, a spirit hath not flesh and bone. But he also walked into a room when the doors were shut. That's an immortal body. Your body is very precious. Don't don't talk down on it. Speak good to it if something's not right. Don't talk down on your body. And watch what you do to your body. Because you're bought with a price. The Bible says, Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are His. He bought your body and He bought your spirit. Did you know that? And you have to watch out about what you do with your body. I mean, I know sometimes, you know, people will ask me about cremation versus burial and things like that. And I, I like to go by scriptures and I like to follow the Lord, you know, best, best I can as an example. But I know sometimes people don't agree with me on this. And I'm not saying something's terribly wrong if you disagree with me on this. I just prefer burial over cremation because if it's just a money issue come to me. I'll help pay for your burial. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if it's just a money issue, we can fix that. But I really think, you know, in that area of burial or cremation, that I like burial because that's what happened to the patriarchs. That's what happened to the apostles. That's what happened to Jesus. And you think about how precious the body is. Do you really want to just disintegrate it? Well, not that the Lord isn't going to bring all the molecules back together and everything's going to be fine in the end and the body will come back together. But I think sometimes people think, well, the body's just a body. The body is something the Lord bought. It's precious. I've done many funerals where there's been cremations and I haven't felt like anything was terribly done wrong or anything like that. But a lot of times I've asked people, I said, why do you do that? And in the real life, people say, well, it's because of money. I thought, well, don't let money be an issue. God will help you. All that was free. We won't charge you for that. (laughs) I I personally, if you ever want to know how pastor feels on that, I prefer burial because it's how how it was done in the Bible. So um, in Proverbs 16, are you there? In verse 32, we're going to read this out of the GNT translation, the Good News translation. It says, it's better to be patient than powerful. That's a whole seminar right there, but we're not going to go there tonight. It's better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. That's an interesting statement. This is the wisdom of God through Solomon. Why would it be better to win control over yourself, self-control, than even to win over a whole city and conquer a city and take the spoils? I was pondering this earlier today, and really if you think about it, what you do is not as powerful as what you are. You know, winning a city. You know, if you, win, if, somebody, if you get a victory in your life, but you still lack self-control, you might have a hard time keeping that victory because of lack of self-control in other areas and letting the enemy in or letting the flesh do its thing or whatever. And so here's a couple of things I wrote down about this verse. It's not what's around you that needs work, like, you know, winning this city, or it's what's in you that will give you success or not. And that's what I believe Solomon's saying here. What's happening in here is even more powerful than what's going on out here. Because really, self-discipline and self-control, temperance, thank God for the good things it brings into your life, but even more so, thank God for the person it makes you. Did you ever think about that? What, what it'll do for you to be more disciplined as opposed to just more success? The Bible says in First Peter that Peter's talking about a bunch of people who um, but let's just read this scripture. I want you to see this. In second Peter, I didn't have this one on my notes, but he makes something a real interesting statement here about how your heart and your soul can become messed up by certain practices. Well, if your heart can become messed up by certain practices, maybe your heart could become better by certain disciplined practices in your life. Now, that's a good word right there. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter's talking about the end times, the last days, about people that are way off. He said in verse 14, 2 Peter 2, 14. This is Wednesday night, so we can go to these scriptures is Peter's talking about all these people having eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. Now notice, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray following with the way of Balaam and this, all these other things. I thought it was interesting in that verse 15 where it says, or excuse me, verse 14 that says, a heart they have exercised, one translation says, trained with certain ungodly practices. Well, if your heart can get all messed up by practicing ungodly things, maybe your insides could get all right by practicing good things, implementing self-discipline and self-control. So let me say it again, guys. You're going to see some amazing success in your life if you start loving this fruit of self-control, but it's also going to make you a better person. Not better in the eyes of you're a child of God, but more productive in the area of serving people, serving the Lord. You following me? I mean, a lot of these scriptures we've been reading tonight are New Testament scriptures, and they have a lot to do with living a controlled life. Winning a city is a one time victory. Controlling yourself will win you many victories. See, Wednesday night teaching, sometimes we have to talk like this because, as excited as we want to be about the power of God and increase and revival, we can't, we've got to be just as excited about the kind of people we're being developed into. All right. Winning a city can turn to losing a city without self-control right you could win a city today and because of a lack of self-control and and you could lose the whole thing tomorrow so self-control is a very important thing that's what solomon was saying um yeah what what was the first slide up there are those numbered one two three four is that the first one winning a city is a one-time victory controlling yourself will win you many victories i like that now, here's some, here's some things I want to share before we close. So just fasten your seatbelt and keep, just look straight ahead and nobody know I'm talking to you. <laughs> okay. Um, the answer to many people's problems is control yourself. That's it. Not 20 counseling sessions. It's just control yourself. Um, the answer to most behavioral problems is stop it the answer I mean why wouldn't why wouldn't we want to think it's that simple I mean it's real simple right you're a born again believer you can do all things through Christ which so strengthens you if you've got a problem repeating and repeating over and over in your life the answer is basically grow up and stop it because you can go to counseling and hear all kinds of deep things bring up all kinds of things from your past and maybe get a little help a little bit here or there and I'm not against any of that Praise God. If it helps, it helps. But when it all comes right down to it for the believer, if we're doing something over and over and over again that we shouldn't be doing, I have a word for you. Stop it. Actually, I have two words for you. Stop it. Stop it. How do you stop it? You control yourself. How do you control yourself? You grow up. Right? Here's something else that will help you stop it. See the amazing benefits of stopping it and what you'd be forfeiting if you don't. See, a lot of times people think, well, why is it taking so long for these great things to happen? Maybe God's saying, why is it taking so long for you to get your act together, <laughs> right? I mean, come on, I mean, it could be that. Do you, know, do you know why Israel did not enter into the promised land that God prepared for them? Do you know why Israel, most of them died in the wilderness like grasshoppers? Do you want to know why? Because they didn't control themselves. When they felt like complaining, They complained. When they felt like doubting, they spewed it out. When they felt like being disrespectful, they just came against Moses and all their leaders. They felt like it and they did it. They felt like it and they did it. And it cost them their lives and it cost them the promised land. I found this out. If you really want to be a person of faith and start seeing results in your life, you've got to have more than faith. You've got to have some self-control to do what it takes to walk in that kind of faith. Talk like you believe. Act like you believe. Get in the Word. Feed your faith. These things take self-discipline. It's interesting to me that Jesus told a man in the New Testament, out of all the people other than another woman, two people in the whole New Testament, nobody else did he ever tell them they had great faith except the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman. And it's so interesting that the centurion is basically just saying, Lord, my servants at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented, come, lay, come heal them, and they start going toward the house. And he says, no, you don't even have to go to my house. He said, I'm a soldier. I have people under me, and they do what I tell them to do, just like I do what my superiors tell me to do. I say, go, and they go. I say, come, and they come. I'm submitted, they're submitted. I'm a soldier. I'm disciplined. I understand these things. You know what Jesus said? I haven't found great faith like this in all Israel, not even my disciples. I've not seen any faith like this in all the country of Israel. And the man didn't even say, I believe God, I have faith. He didn't even refer to the word faith. He just said, I'm a very disciplined man, I'm submitted to authority, and I have some authority. I'm a, I'm a soldier, I'm a centurion. I'm a, and the Lord interpreted that as great faith. And he, the centurion didn't even say, I have faith. And the Lord said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And from that hour, his servant was made whole, completely healed of a disease. I thought, what is great faith? A part of great faith is living a very disciplined life and making sure that you're doing the things that complement great faith. How many know you can't be a wimp and live for Jesus? (laughs) You can't be a wimp and have great faith. This is actually called the strong man's gospel. You you read through the scriptures, you, you know why a lot of people don't go very far in their Christianity? They're weak. They've never disciplined themselves to do the things that the Lord told them to do. Now, this is a very unpopular word today. A lot of people do not like the word obey. It's the flesh. The flesh loves to do what it wants to do. The flesh does not want to be here, to hear, do this, do that. <laughs> We're going to have to get back to some of these things in this loose society if we're going to see the end time revival here in Faith Heights Church. You know what I mean? The power of God, multitudes getting saved, so many people who have to build bigger buildings. We have to... Re- the, the whole world and a lot of church people are going the other direction. A lot of people, they, they don't want to hear messages like this. <laughs> Look around. <laughs> right? Why? Because it, it's... There's responsibility. We have to. I'm looking so forward to people getting this revelation that when you realize the state of your life, right? When you stop blaming other people, your past, what happened to you when you're a child? When you stop blaming and start taking responsibility for your own life, you are going to start developing and seeing success like you've never seen it before. Isn't that funny today? I, mean, I was just reading earlier tonight how how that um. It's so interesting the society we live in. It's like it's just this. When you see how small you are for blaming other people and other things for your situation in life, you'll want to get your act together. Can you believe somebody goes to McDonald's, gets a cup of hot coffee, spills it on themselves, and sues McDonald's? What? Somebody buys a stepladder, they lean too far over, and they fall, and they sue the ladder company. What's that called? That's called small people. That is small. Take responsibility. Right? Come on, man. These things are, and it takes self-control to take responsibility. you got to control yourself. I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to blame this person. I'm going to get some money out of this. (laughs) You may get a little money, but the person you're becoming is not worth it. Mm Mm-mm. Here's one of the things that will help you a lot in life. When when you feel like complaining, when you feel like making an excuse, when you feel like blaming somebody else, just stop and say, I take responsibility. I know one time I was getting mad at somebody who was mad at me. And the Lord said, ask yourself a question, son. Is there anything you could have done to help that situation not be as tense as it was? And I think, well, yeah, but still they did this and they did that. And the lord told me what i just told you he said grow up (laughs) He said grow up man you could have done better you could have been sweeter you could have been nicer right it's it's interesting but sometimes you just have to i know that one time the lord told me he said son you're blaming these people over here for making your for making your life difficult and you didn't even pray about being that close to those people You didn't even check your heart to see if the Spirit was leading you that way. You just looked at all these natural situations and all these natural circumstances. Well, let's just partner with these people. Let's just get close to these people. And then these people hurt me. And then I go, Lord, they hurt me. He goes, blame yourself. I didn't lead you to get that close to those people. You could have been better led by the Spirit. And I thought, oh, it set me free. And I realized it's not somebody else's fault all the time. It's not always... Maybe I wasn't even supposed to be there, and if I was more led by the Spirit, I wouldn't even met those people. Does that make sense? I'm really glad I'm not preaching for amens tonight, because if I was preaching for amens, I would think I am failing big time. I actually like services where there's not a lot of amens at times, because I know people are thinking. I, and instead of just going, amen, amen. Can, can, I, can I say this, church? After this service is over, I just want you to understand this service will be a total waste of your time if you don't do what you heard. And I'm not saying what you're hearing me audibly say, but what the Spirit of God is talking to you. Hmm? And don't think that every time the Lord says something, you're going to be going, Hoo-hoo! there's times you're going to be going, whoa, ah, thank you, Lord, ouchie, but thank you. I mean, there's times I've got some of the best services not when I went glory, it's when I went owie. <laughs> I'm talking with Keith Moore, Kenneth Hagan, who are. Some of the best services are when you don't say amen. And you're thinking, hmm. But what will determine if it pans out the way you want it to is if you receive correction and if we do what the Lord told us to do. <sighs> okay, let me qu- finish up here. The answer to many problems is control yourself. The answer to most behavioral problems is stop it. (laughs) I know you don't want it to be that easy, and I know counselors don't want it to be that easy. They'll be out of a job. But um, the cure for lack of results in our faith walk is do what you know to do whether you feel like it or not. Read that Bible. Go to church. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Seek God. Act like you're healed. The reason many never succeed is because they don't make themselves do what's necessary to succeed. The reason many people never succeed is they don't make themselves do what's necessary to succeed. We said this last couple weeks that successful people, the 20% that are successful as opposed to the 80% that never reach even close to their full potential is the 20% are doing things the eighty percent don't feel like doing but the reason the thing they don't understand is the twenty percent don't feel like doing them either they just do them anyway successful people do stuff they don't want to do all the time and it's one of the reasons they're successful so self-control will not only make you successful but it will more importantly make you a better person so one more scripture and then we'll close Proverbs 29 Proverbs chapter 29 Um, we'll have to save those videos for next week I had two little videos I wanted to show you that were kind of cool oh you don't want to see them right now do you (laughs) what do you think Carla you think so it won't quench the spirit Um, I don't think we have time it's already 8.14 we'll have to wait till next week um Proverbs 29, 18. So, here's one thing you have to ask yourself. Why do I not control myself to do what I know I should do to get to where I want to be? Well, it's called strong reasons to get your act together. Okay? There's something about a strong reason that will cause you to do things that nothing else will. This scripture says where there's no vision... People actually perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. The uh, New Life Version says where there's no vision of the word of the Lord, the people do whatever they want to. One translation says, that the NET translation says, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint and they become demoralized what he's saying here is you have to have a vision you have to ask the lord lord show me show me my life if i don't do get my act together in this area show me my life just just let me see it lord and lord show me my life if i do get my act together and i'm not saying people could be way out there's just i know there's certain things in my life the lord's been talking to me he is so patient come up son come up to here you can do this get this down and some of it's just natural stuff but it's really spiritual Because if you're not doing things naturally that you should be doing or disciplined in certain areas, that's your spirit not making it happen. So it really is a spiritual problem, even though it's exercise that the Lord's dealing with you about. Not exercising is not a fleshly problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's you on the inside not being strong enough to take authority of the body on the outside. It's a spiritual situation. If the Lord's dealing with you about diet or certain things in the area of food or nutrition, you might think, well, that's just a natural thing. It's actually a spiritual thing. Your spirit, for some reason, is not rising up and making yourself resist certain things and eat certain things and not eat certain things. So really, you have to look on the inside to even fix outside things because if you want the fruit, you got to work on the root. And one of the roots is the fruit of self-control. Amen. Thank you, dearly beloved. I believe the Lord helped us tonight. Let's stand up. Remember, sometimes you leave services going glory, and sometimes you leave services going owie, but they're both good. The Bible says he wounds and he heals. (laughs) Father, we're so thankful for your mercy and your grace. And I just, I want you just to close your eyes right now. Church, just pray with me for a minute. Way more is going on here tonight than we even realize. We're being prepared for something, and it's huge. And a lot of people are in the balance. A lot of lives are at stake. And some of the things we heard tonight may not have been ooey-gooey and fun or whatever, but I'm telling you, it's building us up to a place as a church where God's going to be able to trust us with more power and more people. And there's so many people He wants to bring to our church. He needs a solid foundation, people that have grown in some of these fruits of the Spirit, so when these people do come, they'll not be led astray, they'll not be a bunch of strife and envy. And so, Father Pacusto, Vangriengena, Ebra Kitafa, Egela Sufukuontinie, Biando, Gromovotix, Kika di Framace, Giliano, Bronde, Viki Asta The Spirit of God says to the church tonight that you're being groomed. You're being prepared for the days you're living in are days of great increase in my churches, those whose eyes are upon me and are following me. And so I'm raising up a body of people who are not loose anymore, who are self-controlled, who are strong and stable, mature, and blessed, and they will reach out like never before. And when the increase comes, it'll stay. It'll go on until the coming of the Lord. And things will work like they're supposed to. And people won't get in weird attitudes and weird clicks because you've grown and you've developed in some of these areas. I heard the Spirit of God say that. I believe He's grooming us. He's lifting us up. He's developing us into the people that we need to be so He can trust us with more of His precious people when they come. Father, we thank you so much for building us up, growing us up, so we can do more for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If you got your healing school uh, invite, you're free to go. If you didn't, you can see an usher on your way out. We'll see you later, church.